after about a year of attempting to treat him with pharmaceuticals, uh, I started to begin to look for other options. Uh, the reason I started to begin to look for other options was because his doctor told us that we were, you know, we were seeing regression. He was sleeping all the time. He just wasn't being active with us. And um, she said that he was going to lose his ability to speak pretty soon. So he okay. had been, he wasn't really interacting with us too much just because he was mm -hmm. sleeping time. And, you know, you could ask him a question and he really wasn't processing the question and um, well, kind of, and, um, let, let me interrupt you for a second there. How old was he at this time? He was uh, between five and six, you okay. know, maybe, you know, maybe a little bit before five. So did they, 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 of course, put him through all the, the EEGs and, and MRIs and all that good stuff, right? No results or did they have any kind of diagnosis? So we didn't get a diagnosis uh, for a long time until um, until he got an LGS diagnosis. So early in the beginning, um, he just got something uh, epilepsy, um, likely genetic, you know, so something something like yeah. that was initially. But he does have Lennox-Gastaut uh, syndrome. So because of the regression, because we learned he was going to probably soon, like within weeks, lose his ability to speak, I started thinking of other options. So I started looking around the internet, found a recipe for um, THCA uh, by Sam Elliott, or Sam Elliott published the recipe in Toke Signals. Um, it was David Mapes Epsilon Essentials. And um, it was amazing. <laughs> My son is now 14 and he's taking algebra next year in his freshman year in high school. Cool. So an LGS, uh, the expectation, uh, the prognosis is that, um, you know, you regress to an age like age three to eight, somewhere in there, and mm -hmm. then you are able to stop the seizures, then a lot of people still don't get rid of the regression. But here sure. we are, thanks to cannabis, he's just growing and growing mentally. It's, it's fantastic. Hey y'all, welcome back to Gramps Place, where I have the conversations everyone wants to have. We talk about all things government, economics, cannabis law reform, social equity, and politics to name just a few. I talk with doctors, scientists, researchers, patients, and more, where you can get the information you need to make an educated decision. In this episode, I get to talk with fellow Texas advocate and friend, Piper Lindine. Piper is a mother and caregiver of her son who suffers with LGS, which causes seizures, among other issues. She also recently completed her master's in cannabis science and therapeutics. Piper joins me to talk about how cannabis has helped her son and the whole state of cannabis in Texas and the USA. Let's meet Piper and join the conversation.
Hello, Piper, and thank you for joining me here on Gramps Place. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your background. Sure. Uh, so I am a dental hygienist um, whose son, at around age five, he started having uh, pretty bad seizures, uh, quite a lot of seizures. And um, after about a year of attempting to treat him with pharmaceuticals, uh, I started to begin to look for other options. Uh, the reason I started to begin to look for other options was because his doctor told us that we were, you know, we were seeing regression. He was sleeping all the time. He just wasn't being active with us. And um, she said that he was going to lose his ability to speak pretty soon. So he okay. had been. He wasn't really interacting with us too much just because he was sleeping time and you know you could ask him a question and he really wasn't processing the question and um well, kind of, and um, let, let me interrupt you for a second there how old was he at this time he was uh between five and six you okay. know maybe, you know maybe a little bit before five so did they, 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 of course, put him through all the, the EEGs and, and MRIs and all that good stuff, right? No results, or did they have any kind of diagnosis? So we didn't get a diagnosis uh, for a long time until, um, until he got an LGS diagnosis. So early in the beginning, um, he just got something uh, epilepsy, um, likely genetic you know, so something, something like yeah. that was initially, but, you know, my understanding with epilepsy is it's so complex. There's so many types of syndromes. Uh, EEGs are really difficult to read, you know, as in any profession, uh, professionals have different opinions about where the boundaries lie between disorders and things like that. So it's really difficult yeah. to pinpoint an epilepsy diagnosis, but he does have lennox gesto uh, syndrome. And then, you know, complicating things, we treated him with cannabis, so he's not following a typical, uh, a typical syndrome characteristic. So, so because of the regression, because we learned he was going to probably soon, like within weeks, lose his ability to speak, I started thinking of other options. I have this uh, great friend now, at one point in time, she was just a patient, but um, she was someone who took initiative to help me out, and I really appreciate it um, when I was inconveniencing her because my son had a seizure while I was cleaning her teeth, and I had to get up and get the phone. Uh, it was the school nurse saying he had a seizure sure. back, and I told her, and she um, she said, let's have lunch, and she brought a bunch of cannabis research to me. And said, I really think that you should uh, you should look through this and something you should really consider uh, treating your son with. And she was a retired nurse, so I thank God for Jackie and Jackie Newby. <laughs> um, I don't know. Do you know her? She she knows a lot of people. So she. Who, who is it again? Jackie Newberry. Uh, the name rings a bell. People and having great conversations about cannabis, and she. Uh, talks to lots of physicians and things. She's just wonderful. Um, but she doesn't do a lot of in-person stuff in Austin. Uh, right. So, but she does network quite a bit. She's great. 
great woman. Um, she's a retired nurse. And um, so, you know, cannabis, lots of cannabis knowledge there. And uh, so we went on uh, medicating with cannabis. Um, that was at the time when uh, it was difficult to get even CBD, even in Colorado. You know, yeah. you had to wait a year to get a red card and then, uh, and then, <laughs> you know, and then you could get it. But, um, but so I started looking around the internet, found a recipe for um, THCA uh, by Sam Elliott, or Sam Elliott published the recipe in Toke Signals. Um, it was David May's Epsilon Essentials. And um, it was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. He had six weeks, but I was real naive to, uh, to medical cannabis, and um, and so I didn't I didn't know what uh, strain or chemovar uh, we had. So so we had the six weeks of seizure freedom, and uh, and then um, it, it just fell apart. And so um, I had to go on this like wild goose chase. Like I reached out to Tracy Ansley. You you know Tracy, right? Mm -hmm. Tracy Ansley, David Mapes, and uh, someone else in California uh, gave me her her name and information. I called her, got got a lot of great advice for her. That's another godsend, you know. Got got lots of. There there are lots of those. Yeah, lots of luck. There are lots of those out there in the cannabis world. Like that, like cannabis people are the best. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. Um, so, you know, we figured out with with all these people's help, um, narrowed down uh, how you know what medication, what chemovar worked best for him. And so, after getting that chemovar, we um, still had difficulty in after figuring it out. We still had difficulty in obtaining that chemovar. Sure. And so we still had a lot of difficulty with relapses, and then even with finding good stuff regularly, uh, we still have some relapse issues. But my son is now 14, and he's taking algebra next year in his freshman year in high school. Cool. So on the LGS, uh, the expectation, uh, the prognosis is that, um, you know, you regress to an age like age three to eight somewhere in there and mm -hmm. then you are able to stop the seizures then a lot of people still don't get rid of the regression but here sure. we are thanks to cannabis he's just growing and growing mentally it's it's fantastic to see him so exciting like it's really crazy as a parent to you know to want i mean like i probably should be bragging about this but it's like you know you get envious of your friends uh where you know, he <laughs> he passed his uh, math and English star tests or math and reading star tests this year for the first time ever. And yeah. so, so it's like such a big thing for me, you know. Sure. And, um, I, I, you know, I just. <laughs> well, I got I've got a list of questions for you now uh, because we got to double back and talk about a couple of different things. You mentioned you found. THCA. Yes. For those that don't understand all that terminology, explain 
for our listeners what THCA means. Sure. Yep. Um, so THCA is um, the, the chemical that turns into THC, which is what a lot of people like to use to get high. Um, THC um, in, in the raw form, it's THCA. So when you burn that or when you cook it or when you vaporize it, it turns it from THCA into THC. And so the Epsilon Essentials method uh, uses cold uh, ethanol extraction. So it's, it's not converted and um, it, it worked great. It was very therapeutic. I have, uh, you know, beliefs that it, that it's going to show tons of potential sure in, uh lots of ways uh there's uh, some preclinical evidence that i was going to say it's already starting to <laughs> yeah, it's already starting to and it's uh you know it's got so much promise it's 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 incredible and it's incredible how much lower doses you can use in thca too than than with thc and you know with medical cannabis, people are looking for for function with curing their not cure or treating or curing their ailments. I mean, everybody. Sure. Wants to cure. Uh, but with uh, THCA, there's uh, you know you're not you're not gonna get that uh, same feeling that you get from THC. It's not it's not something that people will want to use recreationally, but it's incredibly valuable therapeutically. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, and what, what form are you using? Was it a tincture or? Yeah, uh, he used, uh, uh, right now he takes basically CBD oil um, because it's easier to to get a consistent result because you know, and we don't have to break the law to do it, right? So, uh, yeah, because there's no dispensaries in Texas that that offer it. And, um, you know, if we wanted to continue doing THCA for him, we would have to buy illicit cannabis and make it ourselves, you know? Sure. So, and he took it in juice. I used to squirt it in juice. So, like, he would have, you know, his dose varied a quarter to one and a half uh, milliliters of okay. you know alcohol-based tincture into a little cup of juice he would drink a couple of times a day and that took care of it that took care of it um and and you know it took care of it in a way that not you know completely gets rid of it he still would have like relapses what we would typically see um was sort of like a seasonal epilepsy but it was mm-hmm. kind of Strange how it would go. Like he had um, for a long time, he had relapse in October, um, and so he would relapse October, uh, November, December, and then they would start to taper mm. off. And so, like in March, he would get seizure freedom again. And then I was telling someone that and a physician, that a physician cannabis ad, ad, activist, and. Um, he said, well, that's ragweed season. Have you ever tried allergy medicine? So we started allergy medicine that day. His seizures reduced. And um, and then he's been on allergy medicine every day since. <laughs> uh, but uh, but his, his seizures reduced, and then that started him tapering off. And then he started relapsing instead. It was kind of the opposite. <laughs> 
you know, but he also wouldn't relapse where he would all of a sudden have like start having tons of seizures and then they taper off. They would kind of like taper got like slower during that seasonal epilepsy. Yeah. But before cannabis, he did not have any seizure freedom ever. Yeah. And what, what kind of seizures did he have? Full, full grand mall or? He had, uh, so he has a lot of different kinds of seizures. He has frontal and temporal and generalized seizures. Or I say has, but, you know, knock on wood, he has Certainly. had, he Certainly. Has had uh, all of those different types of seizures so focal and generalized and um and he's also had focal that do generalize so focal that stay focal focal that generalize and generalize <laughs> every yeah. time we come out with new technology at texas children's uh we would we would do it and see you know is he a candidate for something different nope no candidate for anything different okay yeah. well you know your options are what your options are, right? <laughs> yeah, that's like with uh, with William, with my son. It started at uh, the age of nine. Yeah. Just random. One morning he got up. Uh, I had already gotten up because I, I get up four o'clock every day, have for decades. So even the weekends, I'm up. Mm -hmm. So I would get up, mill around for 30, 40 minutes. Then I'd lay down on the couch again, usually on Saturday mornings. And he came out, turned on the TV, and turned on the PlayStation, started playing. And I opened one eye, and I looked at him, and, you know, he turned around and looked at me. Morning, Dad, you know. I said, morning. And then I closed my eyes, and uh, it wasn't, I mean, if I dozed off, it wasn't for just 10, 15 minutes at the most. Mm -hmm. Because somebody else would have been up by that point in time. But, uh I just heard a strange noise, you know, and I woke up or opened my eyes and all I could see was the coffee table. I couldn't see him. Mm -hmm. And so then I sat up and I could see him on the other side of the coffee table, flat on the floor, you know, full grandma seizure, mm -hmm. uh, which was a shocker, obviously, uh, for, for anybody that's not expecting it, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, are expecting it all the time which is how you start to live as a parent in that anticipation of you know everything is a seizure yeah uh, it's it's still shocking even when you see it all the time you yeah. know well he, his thing was you know they put him through all the tests and like you say it's so difficult to try to diagnose mm -hmm. they didn't find anything brainwave wise they didn't find anything uh like foreign object as a tumor or, or blood vessel mass or any of those kind of things. And so uh, it was pretty much a consensus after they run us through the ringer or run him through the ringer uh, that uh, he fell into this category that manifested between 8 and 10 and grow out of it between 12 and 14. And so we opted not to, pardon me? That the Rolandic, is that what they call that one? I think, yeah, I think that's what they called it. Uh, but uh, so we opted not to medicate at that time, mm -hmm. you know, because he'd only had the one, and and they just said we'll wait and see what happens. So we went with it. Uh, he didn't have one other one for eighteen months, mm -hmm. and then just wham, you know, and then it was six weeks, then it was six months. Then it was three months. Then it was 18 months. 
and they they stayed sporadic like that you know non-patternistic is what they term they like to use yeah Uh, which in some ways it's more difficult you know like the thing is you know there's a lot of struggles with having seizures every day but there's a lot of benefits too you try medicine you know within a couple of days if it's working or not and that and that's one of the things i think that's really difficult about it is like always uncertainty right yeah yeah well the thing with him too was uh it was once he started driving mm-hmm. he had a seizure behind the wheel and and of course he was on a back road he went through barbed wire fence you know we had to go fix the neighbor's fence and tore his truck up a little bit but he was fine and mm-hmm. uh but it scared him so that's when he decided he wanted to go back to the doctor and we took him to another doctor uh down in plano and of course they ran him through the ringer again right mm-hmm. still no signs of any kind of recognizable issue and uh but they started him on a low dose of Keppra. Mm-hmm. And uh the immediate effect was it he now had a pattern. Yeah. Uh which most people say, well, at least now it's predictable. Well, he went from they were so sporadic, he might go a year and a half without one to now he's having them every two months. Right. Like clockwork. So after six months they upped the dose they got closer together yeah so so they switched the medication and of course at this point in time he's an adult he's making the decisions on his own you know uh we're supporting him as best we can but uh every medication change for five and a half years it got increasingly frequent and increasingly severe yeah and uh to the point where I didn't even realize it until his older brother told me after he'd passed away that uh, he was having as many as two a week, full out minutes, oh. you know, long, long spells. Sure. Yeah. And uh, just, uh, I can't do anything in my mind but blame the medication. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think that, I, I mean, really anything can, can, you know, cause the good or the bad, you know? Sure. And I think, you know, that's one of the things in, in neurology that, that you, I don't know that I, I feel like, you know, I don't know why they always recommend Keppra first. That's like their good, their good drug. And well, you know, <laughs> it, you know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't have better results than other and I also don't understand, like, for instance, like right now, you know, the research on cannabis on CBD uh, in pediatric epilepsy is not to give it with Onfi. And like, that's who they're giving it to all the time. It's like, but, you know, patients are saying, but, but the, the, the thing is, so like, you talk to these physicians about cannabis and they want, you know, evidence, right? Yeah. Well, why are they not following the evidence right now? You know what I mean? Well, are you fo- they not following it because what they're seeing is different? That's not any different anecdotal evidence than my anecdotal evidence. You know. Well, I mean? there's 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 even evidence that's non-anecdotal <laughs> that is centuries old when it comes to epilepsy and convulsions. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
documented by doctors, you know, that's that's not anecdotal. That's the original. That's the way medicine was in back in those days. They, a doctor tried it, then he wrote down the results. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but there's even uh, you know w- William. Ultimately, as an adult, we we talked about cannabis. He came to me and asked me, and I, of course, at then I didn't know Jack Diddley, you know. Uh, and to, other than I, I knew where to get it if he wanted to try it, and I knew it wouldn't hurt him, right? You know, and that's what I told him. And uh, but I left the decision up to him because I didn't know at that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, his thing was he just couldn't break the law. You know, and he didn't want to risk any consequences of breaking the law. And I mean, that's the way he was raised. You can't argue with that. Right. So get to my point here. It was after his service. I came home here and I searched marijuana slash epilepsy. And one of the first things I found was a clinical trial conducted by Dr. Gene P. Davis and Dr. H.H. Ramsey. I believe it was in the state of Illinois, if memory serves me correctly. I've read so many studies now, I can't keep them all straight. But uh, I believe it was in Illinois that treated five epileptic patients, three of which they had known other underlying conditions like your son has, uh, that they knew what was causing it, you know. But uh, the other two, they they didn't have any idea what was causing their, their seizures. But they treated these five epileptics with extracts of marijuana and had a better than 50% success rate over and above the medications that were available at the time. Mm -hmm. And the year that this study was done, right here in the United States of America, was 1947. Mm -hmm. They've known. Yeah. Oh, they've known. It's it's despicable. The research is there. <laughs> Don't tell me it's not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's despicable. I mean, you know, the American Medical Association was opposed to uh, the prohibition of, of... The Tax Act in 37. So, and it just it just went away quick, quickly because, because of propaganda, right? Mm-hmm. Because of propaganda. Well, so, it all started because of greed, and then they figured out they could use it to control people and certain groups of people, and that's why they've maintained it for so long. Oh, you yeah. know. Uh, well, you know, it, it, it's what wins. What what has historically won is, you know, being tough on crime. So yeah. it doesn't matter that. Um, Things don't improve. It doesn't matter that, you know, it doesn't matter whether or not they're really tough on crime. They just have to say tough on crime and say this and, 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 you know, put money towards it. And um, it doesn't even have to change crime at all, right? Nope. <laughs> In a worse way, even sometimes, just to say they're tough on crime, that wins. So people, people do it, you know? Pardon this short break for a word from our sponsors. Welcome back to Gramps Place, the podcast where Gramps and his guests talk about all things cannabis and cannabis law reform, along with anything else that piques public interests. 
historically anyway, like Jimmy Carter, like a lot of people speculate that that's why he uh, lost is because of his uh, his efforts to legalize or, or reduce penalties for cannabis. So, you know, it's just recently that it started to turn around. Yeah, I think at the federal level, the problem nowadays is they've gotten so much gridlock between the, the right and the left that that no matter who's in that top seat of the presidency, whatever party holds the presidency, like, for instance, right now is the Democrats, right? Mm-hmm. And, of course, the Democrats have notoriously been for legalizing cannabis and the decriminalizing the Safe Banking Act, blah, 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 right? But and, – and it's it's a – it's a it's a bipartisan issue, though. When oh, yeah. you really talk to the politicians about it, there's just as many on the other side that are for it. But when the president is a Democrat, they're like, "Oh, we can't we can't let them have that one." <laughs> it's yeah. like, no, we can't we we can't it's let them have it. Too, right? It's mm-hmm. like, and it's the other way around when the Republicans in a, in the presidency, well, the Democrats are like, "No, no." It's like there's a lot I've read a lot of speculation about um, federal not passing because Chuck Schumer wants to get his law passed, you know, so it's like they want their law to be the law, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's not just Republican versus Democrat. Well, and Republicans have some pretty good things they've entered in the last six, eight months as well, you know, uh, of their own. So. Right. Uh, it's it's on both sides, so let's do what we used to do. Let's come together. Let's talk about it, and let's make something happen, people. Yeah. It's really, I mean, it's pretty simple. All the Fed needs to do is take it off the schedule, deschedule it. Well, I think you know. We'll be done with it. I think probably what's going on now is that they're you know they're working on a lot of the infrastructure sort of stuff for it, where like yeah, if it's legal federally without people in place for regulation and education and all kinds of things like this in order to get responsible policy on it you know we need yeah. people who are educated on it you know yeah plug in my degree <laughs> <laughs> speaking of your degree you just recently got that didn't you yes yep I graduated with a master's in medical cannabis science and therapeutics. Oh, I got my diploma yesterday or the day before or something. Yeah, the day before. Congratulations on that. Got it in the mail. <laughs> Proud of it. I was going to, you know, I haven't hung it up yet. Hung <laughs> <laughs> it up over there. <laughs> so tell us, uh, now that you've got your degree, are there any plans of any kind of business venture or or anything with it or I have a lot of plans and I think that's uh probably making things difficult for me right now is figuring out what what plans to pursue so um I'm a little bit apprehensive about working for myself like lately I've been kind of thinking maybe I could um, you know, I have several ideas about businesses, um, and I have a few friends who have ideas for businesses or want to help me with my ideas with businesses. Okay. Um, so, but I do kind of feel inclined to work for someone. <laughs> I can totally relate. 
I get nervous about owning my own business, you know? Yeah, I, I, I totally get it. Uh, I totally get what you're saying, that the idea of working for yourself can be an ominous one when you think about it, oh, you know? Sure. Yeah, no, my husband had his own business, and he would say it's like having a baby, like having a newborn baby, you know? And I would, too. I know my life is is better now that he's working for somebody else because, you know, he's not always working when we're on vacation like he's not you know calling customers and things like that where you know when it's your baby you've got to always take care of it but when you're somebody's employee as long as you're doing a great job you know but you take your time off right at any rate uh so no no big plans yet for what to do with the degree. I do have a lot of big plans, but... <laughs> Just nothing set in stone. Right. <laughs> what other... Is, is there any other thing your, your son's using as far as medication, or is it just the just the CBD and THCA? Um, he, he takes pharmaceuticals also. He takes Vimpat and Depakote ER, and, um, and so he takes Daygold... Uh, the nighttime blend and he takes tranquil right now tranquil from um good blend um in the mornings and i don't know we're kind of in a relapse here it's not it's not like a bad relapse but you know he's like having auras and things and he's been he's been seizure free for a long time now so um since january in january we was only like two seizures and um and then he was like six months before that seizure free. So, you know, we want to kind of nip these auras in the bud before they turn into seizures. So he's got an appointment with the doctor and, um, you know, we may be changing stuff up here, here soon, you know, so we'll see. That's the one thing about it is it's not, it's not, there's not anything about cannabis medicine that's set in stone. Right. And I, and I think it's ever evolving in some, some scenarios, not all, but some scenarios. Yeah, no, it's, you, you have to, you have to prepare yourself to pivot. You've got to be able to pivot, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and the thing, thing too, with, with the seizure disorders of any nature is that there's so many environmental things that can be triggers as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you don't know. So what is it? Like there was, especially like with cannabis, right? It, 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 and it, even more so with like illicit cannabis. So was there, you know, is this really the strain that? Yeah. That it is? Yeah. And, yeah. And is it then the same terpene ratios? Because cannabis uh, cultivation is so complex too. Sure. Just, yeah. That's, that's so, the yeah, thing yeah. that. That's the things that uh, when you talk about lawmakers talking about, we need more research, we need more research. I think those are the things that we need to start giving them more of the research on is the fact that the unregulated awfulness is the only way nicely on air to put it for uh, the black market, the unregulated awfulness of the black market. You never know. If you're getting the same thing, number one. Oh, right, yeah. Number two, you, you don't know if it's, like you say, the, if it was grown with the same type of fertilizer, may change the terpene profile. 
uh, how, how often they watered it. There's so many different variables in that. And then in this day and age, so many of the black market growers are using growth hormones as well. Mm-hmm. So you start getting into that mess. I mean, uh, when you're talking about using it for medicine, that is the number one reason why we need a legal regulated market. Right. So you know what you're getting. Yeah, safe and consistent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people- that's something that I've long advocated uh, for. I've talked about a lot about, you know, I, I, if I'm on the black market for this, you know, I know my child's at a risk, but, you know, he's at a risk every day of his life, multiple times a day, you know, yeah. so what should I, what should I choose, you know? <laughs> Yeah. And, and, you know, that's between that, that point and the other one that I like to push. Uh, and uh, this one comes straight from my representative here in Texas because of something he said to me the first time I met him was, you know, I'm all for the medical side, you know, because I'm a veterinarian by trade. And, you know, when we were, we were in training, we were taught that when you run out of the conventional things that, that don't work, then you start doing unconventional things that might work, you know? So I'm all for giving it, giving it a try for medicine. He said, you know, we got to be careful because, you know, we don't, we don't want everybody doing it. And I said, what you don't understand, anybody who wants to already is. You're not stopping anything. (laughs) So there's that point to ponder. And then the second one is, what they're using, they have no idea what they're putting in their bodies. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we had a legal regulated market, they would. Right. Yeah. And the two most important points. Risk to not have it legal. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Crazy. And and the other aspect, you know, where they're spending money to try to keep it illegal, whereas they could be getting revenue off of it. Mm-hmm. And doing a world of good for everybody in a whole lot of other ways. I mean, you see, we read about it on other states where they this much tax money in Illinois went to this, and that much over here in Colorado went to that. You know, you're all the time. I'm reading about some state sending cannabis tax revenue to the schools. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the thing is, like Texas, you know, like they said at the conference, um, Texas is uh supposed to be the biggest market even bigger than california and Mm -hmm. so like that's all that money that texas is leaving on the table it's insane it's insane that and and not just tax revenue but business growth jobs like how hard is it to get a job in cannabis in texas that's why i don't have anything set in stone you know Mm -hmm. So, one more question. In your opinion, what can people, other fellow activists and advocates do in Texas that they may not be doing to help push this subject forward? Well, something that I've always felt was really beneficial was uh, uh, networking with everybody that you can. Like, there's people who are politically connected who you might not know are, um, and... um, and, you know, you can get good friendships through doing that, too, not just uh, get to know people, um, but, 
you know, enjoy a friendship with them and um, to uh, reach out to all uh, elected officials. It doesn't matter if they're a legislator or not. You can have this conversation with everyone and you never know who is going to be able to help you pull some strings sometimes and, you know, and, and, you know, I mean, that sounds kind of bad, but. Um, it's the way of the world. Well, and it's building friendships and people become invested in, in what you're talking about because they care. They care about you. They care about what, you know, they care about my son, you know, and so they're willing to talk to people about it and um, talk to talk to everyone. And yeah. uh, you never you never know who who's going to help you in what ways. Talk to everyone, make friends with everyone, advocate to everyone. Yeah, I uh, I tell people that all the time. Come out of the closet, you know. Tell people you support it. And of course, I get the blowback of, of well, you know, that's easier said than done. I don't want to wind up in jail. And I tell them, <laughs> I'm not telling you to walk down the street smoking a joint, dumbass. You know, I'm telling you, just say, hey, did you ever think about this? Did you ever think about this? What about this? Have the conversations. You don't have to be, I'm doing it. Hey, Mr. Cop, I'm over here kind of shit, you know? I mean, just have the conversations. Tell right. people that you support it. Like you say, the more people talking about it, the more knowledge gets spread. Mm-hmm. And the more people will go, oh, wait a minute. I didn't think about that. Especially if you have a story to tell that is like mine, which is really pretty remarkable about it and undeniable, you know. And and the thing is, in the six years, because it's just over six years since my venture into this world began. And in those six years, your story, your son's story is probably well over the thousandth mark of stories just on seizures and epilepsy disorders oh, yeah. that I've heard positive results. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I'm only one person. I know there's more people out there that I don't know. You know, mm-hmm. there's got to be with this, the number of states that have real medical programs, even better than what we have here. You know, there's got to be way more. If I already know this many. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't count the people I know that use it for PTSD or chronic pain, neuropathy, cancer. Uh, I could go on and on and on and on and on. Yeah, this is on Schedule 1. And what defines a Schedule 1 drug? No like, medical, med- medical benefit. Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? How yeah. many doctors are prescribing this? I mean, prescribing it, but still, it's like if this is alone is enough. It's like, where is this freaking denial coming from? Well, so- I know <clears throat> this guy right here mm-hmm. is why I'm not ever going to stop pushing for it. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that because my son needs it. And, you know, and that's, I think, one of the things that um, I guess I'm really committed about this because it's 
committed to you know continuing to advocate for it because one of the things I, I've seen with my son like we talked about you know you have to pivot it's not just you have to pivot medicating with cannabis is so much different than medicating with other uh, drugs it's really difficult and you know you don't know how many times I've been online and seen a, a parent struggling and and I tell them you know something about cannabis and they say oh I I tried it and it didn't work. It's like, mm, that's not how it works medicating with cannabis, you know? I mean, I don't, I don't say anything to them then, but it's really difficult. Um, it, it, it requires, it requires a lot of pivoting. Absolutely. Like you said before, it's a key word in the cannabis industry and, and cannabis medicine is pivot, pivot, pivot. That's all the time. You gotta be able to pivot. <laughs> Well, listen, I, we could probably go on for days. Uh, I know. It's fun chatting. <laughs> but uh, I want to thank you for coming on and telling your son's story and telling us, you know, how you found cannabis and what works for him. Uh, it's these kind of stories, I think, that help keep this this movement going forward. Yeah, I think everything is people sharing their stories. Well, I want to thank you again for coming on, Piper. It's been a great <laughs> conversation. Yeah, I've had a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Grants Place, the podcast where I bring you the doctors, scientists, patients, politicians, and ordinary everyday people to talk about anything and everything with facts and firsthand reports so you can make your own decisions on important issues. Cannabis law reform, politics, criminal justice, government, and economics are just a few. As always, I thank you for listening and for your generous support.